Well, good morning, and so glad that you are here and excited about uh, worshiping together today. I want to say a special welcome to several of our guests. Thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us today. Uh, we pray and hope that you feel at home here at Second Baptist, and so um, uh, we would like to connect with you uh, to know who's worshiping with us today, whether in person or we could have guests online, and we'd love to do that in one of two ways. One, obviously here in person, there's a card in the pew back in front of you. If you would fill that information out, at the end of service, we'll have a, um, a time for us to be able to give, but the offering plates will be there, and you can leave that in the offering plate, or you can leave it in the pew there. Uh, either way is fine, and that's a way for us to be able to connect with you. Or you can go to our website, sbcr.org, and there's a button that says, I'm new. You can click that button and fill that information out. And we can know who's worshiping with us and, and might be able to know how we could serve you or your family. And so we're so grateful that you've chosen to be with us this morning. We're excited. Uh, looking forward to today. It is good to be back and uh, uh, back to sort of our regular schedule. We've had a uh, little bit of a change of schedule the last couple of weeks and so excited about uh, being together today and what the Lord has in store for us um, this new year. And so let me just share with you a couple things that are happening in the next week or so, um, and then you can be prepared for those things. First of all, be back with us tonight, five o'clock. We're continuing our time of study and, and just trying to grow an area of prayer uh, individually and as a church family, and that will transition in the coming weeks over to some evangelism training. So if you're interested in knowing how to Share your faith. I'm going to be teaching some on that. I'm going to bring in a guest to help us with that as well. But that happens at 5 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. Uh, we would love for you to be with us. And then tomorrow, uh, the Young at Heart are having a special event here at the church. And it begins at 1030. Uh, we'll be singing some hymns together. Uh, we'll have a special guest speaker and followed with some lunch. And so i uh, love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, tomorrow right here at the church at 1030. That will be on the other end of our facility, so hope you'll make plans to be here for that. also want to make you aware of the last Sunday of this month, immediately following the worship service, that is on January 29th, I will be hosting a, a interest meeting um, for a, a summer, this summer, a mission trip to Ghana, Africa. Many of you know that I went there last year and uh, took part in that trip and planning to uh, partner with uh, the church that I went with last year. We'll partner together and lead a group back. Um, and so if you have any interest at all in um, potentially going on that mission trip this summer, uh, I hope you'll make plans to stay after uh, the morning worship service, uh, that is January 29th. And for whatever reason, if you say, hey, I'm gone then or whatever, just get with me. Uh, we need to, it is time for us to really get ramped up and going on this. There'll be a lot of, uh, a big, pretty big process to it. And so we need to get started early. And so if you have any interest in that, please um, let me know and make plans to be a part of that meeting. It won't be real long, but it will be some important information that we need to go ahead and get started with and talking about. And I can give you the details and know whether that's going to be able to work for you or not. Uh, last thing I did want to mention to you uh, this morning is we set our goal at 
uh, $5,000 uh, for Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And obviously, Pastor Jonathan men mentioned this last week, um, but I thought it was worth mentioning again that we exceeded that goal by several hundred dollars. And so, uh, excited about that and, and thank you for your generosity in that regard. And so, uh, looking forward to today, opportunity for us to worship the Lord together, to sing and to study his word together. So let me lead us in a word of prayer, and then we will begin our time of worship. Lord, you are gracious and kind and merciful. Thank you for today. Thank you for the joy of knowing you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for waking us up today and giving us breath in our lungs and giving us a sound mind. God, I pray that all that we say and do would bring honor and glory to your name this morning. Um, Lord, I, I pray that you'd help us to leave this stuff outside and not be distracted or burdened, but I pray there'd be a sense of relief and freedom to worship you here this morning. God, we pray that when it comes time to the preaching of your word and the teaching of your word, God, that you'd speak directly to our heart. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Stand as we sing 10,000 Reasons, Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh 
that day when my strength is failing the end draws near my time has come still my soul will sing your praise
Amen. Uh, if you have your Bible, and I hope that you do, would you turn to the book of Nehemiah, uh, chapter 9, as we continue our journey through the book of Nehemiah. And uh, it is great uh, to be back with you uh, this morning. I've had the, uh, the privilege to take a little time off and um, uh, just... Uh, have a little bit of downtime, and and uh, I, I greatly appreciate your generosity in that area and your graciousness to understand and 
and uh, it did me well, and our family had the uh, great honor and privilege to uh, worship with some very close friends of ours at First Baptist Danville, and, and uh, be praying for Pastor Daniel Morris as he leads that congregation. You'll remember um, a little over a year ago, um, Daniel lost his uh, wife and son in a car accident, and uh, he and his daughter, and he is still, er, er, he and his daughter, uh, they were not in the vehicle, and, and um, anyway, continue to pray for them, and, and uh, the Lord is at work uh, there at First Baptist Danville, and so I don't know about you, but it does my heart good to see churches that God is alive and working in in the River Valley. Uh, we need more healthy churches, not less, amen? And so, grateful for that. Um, I know some of you have heard, so let me just help you a little bit. I was in an accident a week ago uh, today, actually, so New Year kind of got off to a little bit of a rocky start, but thankfully everybody was all right, everybody was okay, and, and vehicles can be fixed and or replaced, whatever the case may be. So uh, anyway, grateful for your prayers, and maybe you checked up on us and, and asked uh, just how we were doing, if you could do anything, grateful for um, that all is is well. So um, grateful for His hand of protection because, after all, God is good. And um, you know, I love singing that song. It, it declares that even when this life brings tragedy, how we define tragedy, um, it, it says, "I will remember that God is good." Um, God is, you know. In the, we used to say all the time. Somebody would say, uh, "God is good." Everybody responded all the time, and then all the time. God is good, and uh, it's really good for us to sing that, to declare that, to remember that. And so, looking forward to today. I, I don't know about you, but um, oftentimes I read the Bible and I read some incredible text and incredible stories and 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 history of things that God has done, or men um, that the people of God were a part of. And and I often wonder, like, are we going to get a chance to sort of have a, a replay of that in heaven and kind of get a front row seat to all these incredible miracles and things that happen and take place. And then uh, sometimes I think, man, it would be cool to kind of be a part of that or maybe to reenact that and, 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 and try to do those things. One of my favorite times of that is uh, First Baptist Branch when I was there, we uh, we started a, a, a youth, one day kind of youth camp rally right at the beginning of school to kind of rekindle flames uh, uh, of the passion that stirred up from church camp and a great summer with youth and all that kind of thing. And we called it Fan the Flame. And one year uh, we reenacted um, uh, the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Now, in case you're not familiar with that, it's Elijah, the prophet of God, versus 450 uh, prophets of Baal, and there's this kind of competition that takes place of going, all right, we're going to see whose God is real, either the God of the Bible, the God of heaven, or the, uh, uh, the, the God of Baal. And so he says, hey, what we'll do, we'll get a bull, we'll sacrifice lead on the altar, and uh, the first God to send fire and consume this sacrifice wins. And, and so uh, he says, all, uh, Elijah lets the 450 prophets go first. And it was an interesting uh, um, challenge because Baal was supposed to be like this god of lightning. And so it should have been kind of in his wheelhouse, right? Uh, as you can imagine, and those of you familiar with the story, they do everything they can, dance and sing and, 
and cut them all sorts of stuff and and Elijah's one of my favorite Bible characters, probably because he's kind of on the sideline talking trash to the false prophets. But, you know, maybe that's my cynical view of everything that's happening. But he, he's, you know, he's kind of prodding them a little bit. But then sure enough, uh, he says, all right, that's enough. And, and you know, the story lays out the sacrifice, pours water over everything, and he prays and, and God sends fire. And so somehow we decided as a part of this one day event, we were going to reenact this and... Uh, I won't tell you the full story, but it did include your pastor climbing up in a tree um, with a uh, roll of toilet paper, lighter fluid, and matches um, to send fire. And uh, um, that'll be all the details I'll give you. But nonetheless, and it wasn't my most thought out plan, as you could imagine. So uh, nonetheless, it came off without a hitch. Uh, so God still answers prayer, all right? But, you know, I don't know if you ever read these and go, man, I'd really like to reenact that. Well, um, I'll give you a little bit of a peek into, we're going to read our text just a moment, and I didn't know if y'all wanted to try to reenact it this morning, because here in a minute we're going to read uh, about the people of God coming together, and they read the, are you ready? They read the Bible for what the scripture says, one quarter of the day. I mean, I was off last week. I mean, Pastor Jonathan did a wonderful job, but I, I've got a little pent up like in me, so... It, not only did they read it for one uh, quarter of the day, then they, by the way, they stood while it was read for a quarter of the day, and then uh, they, they confessed their sins and they worshiped the Lord for another quarter of the day. So I hope you brought your lunch. I mean, it's going to be really exciting today. We're going to reenact this. Well, now we'll say this. Uh, in terms of the context, the quarter of the day mostly meaning uh, how the Jews viewed in, in specifically kind of the daytime versus the night, if you will. So uh, most historians, most commentators believe this was two, three-hour segments. But nonetheless, that's six hours. And uh, some of you in about 45 minutes will start looking and going, all right, preacher, your quarter's up. It's, uh, it's come and gone. So uh, nonetheless, we are going to read a lengthy passage this morning. Lord willing, it won't take us uh, three hours necessarily, but we are going to read a lengthy passage this morning out of Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 1. And if you are willing and you're physically able, would you stand with me in the honor of the reading of the Word of God? And it is a lengthy passage, and if you need to sit down, uh, there certainly will be no judgment here, even uh, tongue-in-cheek introduction, all right? So the Bible, the Word of God says this, Now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. And those of Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of their God uh, for one-fourth of the day, and for another fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Then Jeshua, Manai, Kadmiel, Shemaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Benai, Kaniah stood on the stairs of the Levites and cried out with a loud voice to the Lord their God. And the Levites, Yeshua, Kedmiel, Benai, Hashbaniah, Sherebiah, Hodajah, Shibaniah, and Pathahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted of above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. 
You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and everything in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve them all. The hosts of heavens worships you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Girgashites to give it to his descendants. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry to the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, against all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted proudly against them, so you made a name for yourselves as it is this day. And you divided the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And their persecutors, were, you threw them into the deep, as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloudy pillar, and by night with a pillar of fire, to give them light on the road which they should travel." You came down also from Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread for heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your waters that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Even when they made a golden calf for themselves and said, This is our God that brought you up out of Egypt and and worked great provocations. Yet in your manifold mercies you did not forsake them in the wilderness, and the pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them the light and the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and gave water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations, and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land of Sion, and the land of king of Heshbon, the king of Og, king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land, and you subdued them before the inhabitants of the land. The Canaanites gave into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wish. And they took strong cities and a rich land and possess houses full of God, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and the fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself. And they worked great propagations. Therefore, 
you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of trouble, they cried out to you and you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliveries who saved them from the hand of their enemy. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of your enemies so that they had dominion over you. Yet when they returned and cried to you, you heard from heaven many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not fear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit and your prophets, for they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hands of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. For you are God, gracious and merciful. Now therefore, our God, the great and mighty and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let the all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us, our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and on all your people for the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Nevertheless, our kings and our princes, our priests and our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom, or in many good things they, you have, that you have given them, or in a large land and rich land which you have set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. Here we are, servants today, and the land that you gave our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounties. Here we are, servants in it, and it yields much increase to the kings. You have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we love and adore you. We thank you for your word. God, would you bless the preaching of your word. God, may your word be so in our lives. Give me every word to say, nothing more and nothing less, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you may be seated. I know that's a lengthy text this morning and, and um, really want to focus on this idea. If you remember, we've been focusing on the idea of the return. Now, for those of you who maybe haven't been with us, Nehemiah is focused on uh, the children of God. The, the people of God have been in exile and God is bringing them back to the holy city. He has sent Ezra ahead of them in the midst of this, and he has been working uh, uh, to restore the right worship. But the problem is the the wall that was up that helped uh, protect the city had been destroyed, had been broken down. And so God raises up Nehemiah to send him back into... Um, uh, into the city to lead the people of God to rebuild this wall that they can restore the city, they can restore what's going on and happening there. And, and that's exactly what has happened. That's what's taken place. And so in the first several chapters in Nehemiah, the, the, the wall is rebuilt, God has risen up leaders. And so, uh, but now what has happened, now that they're able to protect the city, they're able to, uh, to, to function and focus on themselves, what's happening is there has been this partnership that, 
Remember, Ezra had gone before him, and he had been there several years before Nehemiah got there. And now they're able to come together and go, hey, we have a safe place. We're able to protect our city, and, but we've got to get some things right. And so he partners with the man of God, Ezra, to try to restore. Listen, we've restored the city, but now we need to restore the soul. Uh, we've restored the, the town, but now the people of God need to be restored back in right relationship with him. And so the last couple chapters, that's what's begin to happen. And so we're in this series, although no, it's been a little bit different because uh, had a couple weeks off and Christmas and all those kinds of things. But we are focused on this return, and it's not so much of the return of, to the physical place for the people of God where God's hand of blessing is, but it's a return. It's a spiritual return back to the things of God that God may lay his hand of faithfulness and blessing back on the people. And so this morning we're focused, we talked last, uh, last time we were in chapter 8, and, and this return, this, this returning to the Word of God and the importance of that. But now this morning I want to preach to you a message I've titled, Return Together. And I want us to understand and see the importance of this corporate return. And let me just tell you this on the upfront, it's really hard, this idea is really difficult for us as Americans to grab a hold of. Because of our Western mindset, we don't realize this because this is, for most of us, the only culture we've ever known very well, but we live, the Western culture is a very self-focused, very individual, uh, individualistic mindset. But much of the world, even today, is not that sort of focus. It is we and us. It is much more a corporate mindset than an individual one. I believe this is one of the things that has plagued uh, uh, churches in America, in the Western culture, because we, we tend to think so much about I and me and not we and us. And so this morning as we read this, there may be some of these things going, man, how does that work? Why is that a thing? Uh, because we come from this Western context of a mindset, and there's nothing wrong with that other than we need to help veil our eyes back a little bit, pull back a little bit, and ask the Spirit of God to help us and go, let me see this for what it is, and how does it apply for me and today? And so uh, this morning's text, this our message is titled, uh, Return Together. And so the main idea, if you're taking notes this morning, is this, the people of God repented individually and corporately. It's both and. There's got to be this personal ownership that they had gotten away from the Lord. They had gotten away from the things of God. And so it's this individual of going, man, I've got to take ownership over my own. But also corporately, collectively, we've got to take some ownership of some things. And that particular part is what doesn't necessarily sit well with us in our context. is we tend to think, man, I, I'm not taking responsibility for anybody else's mess. I've got my own mess to take care of. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But I want you to see in the text this morning, that's not what the people of God do here. It's not what they do. And so the question then this morning is how specific and thorough is your repentance? I want you to see this morning that our text doesn't just simply have the people of God going, man, I, I'm really convicted over sin. And God, I just ask you to forgive me. I, I, you know, I, I'm sure I've done wrong. God, if I've done anything wrong, would you forget? Like, like sometimes that's our prayer, right? Sometimes we approach God. God, if I've done anything wrong, would you forgive me? God, if there's been any wrongdoing, would you, would you uh, 
I experience your forgiveness. I, I turn from anything that I might have. Man, we, we get really general and we're not too great at being specific. Now, I want you to see from the text this morning is that the people of God, when they got under the conviction of God, it brought about specific sins and wrongdoing in their life. And they just didn't simply say, hey, God, would you forgive us of our sin? But they, they named some things. They were specific about it because they wanted, they knew the importance of recognizing this is what is in my life that is not right. And I need your forgiveness. So there are four truths I want us to see this morning. Number one, repent at the right time. Repent at the right time. Now I want you to see the text. Let's look at verse 1 together. Now on the 24th day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled together with fasting and sackcloth and with dust on their heads. Okay, so why the 24th day? Well, let's hit pause and think back to this. If you'll maybe be able to to remember, maybe you're familiar with, in chapter 8, there was this first initial, bring the book and read the Torah. Read the book of the law. And as that is done, what is happening, there is a light bulb that is going off in the people of God as they hear the word of God read going, oh man, we've messed up. We've not been doing that. Oh no, we've been doing that, which it tells us not to do. Oh, man, we, we've not been doing that. And what's happening is there's this spiritual moment where the Word of God does what it always does, and it brings about conviction. Have you ever been there? You ever been reading the Word? You ever had a preacher read a text? And, and in that moment, for us as New Testament believers, we have the indwelling of the Spirit of God, or even as a lost person, you might have seen or heard the Word of God, and it read or taught or preached, and the Word of God just kind of, man, it, it seems like it has a laser focus, and it just focuses in across Arizona, that pet sin you have, or that wrongdoing, whatever it is, and man, that conviction sets in. And there's nothing like it in the world. In chapter 8, if you remember, that's exactly what happens with the people of God. The Word of God is read, and they experience this unbelievable conviction. Well, if that happened in chapter 8, then why are we talking about it in chapter 9? Well, I'm glad you asked. Listen, chapter 8, verse 2. Uh, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of the men and women and all who could hear it with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. So this is, and there's a lot, of, a lot of things going on. I'm going to jump into the Jewish calendar, all this kind of thing. But this is the beginning of the new year of sorts, all right, for the sake of what we need today. Um, this, this is the, the beginning of the new year. And so here they've done all this work, and they bring the Word of God, and Ezra brings it. And the Word of God does what it promises to do. It brings about conviction, Okay. If you were to look at, at verses, skip on down to uh, verses 8, 9, and 10. I think I've just got eight, uh, 9 on the screen. But it says, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words 
of the law. So what happens? They hear the word of God. There's that light bulb. There's the Holy Spirit. There's the conviction that comes on their life. They're heavy under conviction, under sin. And listen, it brings about a sense of brokenness. There's a heaviness to the weight that they're feeling. And you and I need to sense that. We need to feel that. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, We need to sense that weight. But it's interesting what happens here is that the leaders tell them, today is holy, don't mourn, don't weep, yet. Excuse me. And so what happens? Well, the first day of the month, it's beginning of their new year, and so that day is declared as holy. And then, after that, you have the beginning, or part of that, you have the beginning of the Feast of Trumpets, which lasts approximately, or last ten days. And so the beginning of the first month is declared holy, the beginning of this Feast of the Trumpets, and it leads you up to the tenth day, which is the Day of, the, uh, day of Atonement. Yom Kippur, which is the holiest day among all the uh, days in the Jewish festivals and and, uh, holy days. And so then from that day, uh, and it it lasts because the way that Jews count the calendar and the day, it lasts a little bit more than a a day. But then um, you, you have this leading up to the 15th day, which begins the festival of booths. And that is a seven day festival which leads you to the 23rd, and the 23rd is declared as a holy day. And again, because of the way they kept days, it goes a little bit older, uh, over. And so that leads you to all of that is completed, and the fresh day, the new day then, is the 24th. So on the first of the month, <coughs> excuse me, the people of God hear the Word of God read. The Torah is brought in. And man, there's this conviction that takes place and the people of God are under conviction. They're heavy, they're burdened, they're they're mourning, they're weeping and the leadership go, no, 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 today's a holy day. Today there's not mourning, there's not weeping. Today we worship the Lord and it it is declared to be holy so we're going to rejoice. And then that begins a series of holy days uh, feasts that, and festivals that were to be recognized and participated in. And if you remember in chapter 8, they did those things. And what happens is um, they say, man, it hadn't been restored like this. It hadn't been honored like this in, in a very, very long time. And so then on the 24th, we pick up in chapter 9, and the people are heavy under conviction. What happened? They said, man, there's some things that have to be taken care of. There's some things. We've disobeyed God long enough. We need to do everything we can to obey the Lord. But on the 24th, there's some sin we need to deal with. There's conviction. There's wrongdoing that we need to deal with this morning. And now, why do I talk about this timing? Because, friend, here for those, uh, for the Jews, for the people of God, there was a certain amount of things that need to be honored, that need to be carried out. But friend, I need you to hear this, I need you to see this, is that they, I think it was also good and healthy for them because it had set with them for a little bit. 
it had resonated with their heart and soul. I believe the conviction, I believe the, the significance of their repentance as they had felt the weight of their sin, even in going through this. And, and friend, here's what I need to tell you. I need to talk to you about this. There's a difference in, I'm talking about conviction this morning. There's a difference in conviction and guilt. A difference in conviction and guilt. What Conviction leads you to a change in action. When I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God leads me to make a change in my behavior. Change in what I'm doing. Uh, whatever the case may be. Listen to me. Guilt just tells you how sorry you are. And it doesn't lead you to any change. I need you to hear that this morning because, listen, eyes on me, look, look right here. I need you to hear this. One of the main tactics of the enemy is to try to get you confused with guilt and conviction. Guilt is not of God. Conviction is of God. Guilt just tells you how sorry you are. The enemy, listen, Satan will never come and convict you. It's not what he does. It's the job of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth and righteousness. It's the Holy Spirit that brings about conviction. But the enemy wants to give you a falsehood of that and sell you a bill of goods and bring guilt in your life, make you feel really terrible about you, but then you never do anything about it. Where conviction says, man, that's wrong. You've sinned against God. There's a weight to it. But the Holy Spirit leads you to repentance. And when you repent, the idea is to turn. And I turn to God having a change in behavior. There's a difference in conviction and guilt. But I need you to hear this. In a time and day where we want everything to feel good and feel right, sometimes we just don't, we, we don't allow ourselves to feel the weight of sin. We don't allow ourselves to, to really sense the weight of our unholiness and His holiness. And I want to be careful there. That's why I talk about the difference between conviction and guilt. It's not of going, let me feel how sorry, you know, feel the weight and how sorry I am. So I can tell everybody how sorry I am. And in reality, trying to tell them how spiritual I am. <clears throat> but instead, sensing the weight and conviction of our wrongdoing, going, I really am a sinful man. And my sin really does have consequences. My sin really does have weight. And that's what the people of God here had experienced. And so when they get to the 24th day of this time in their this seventh month, that they're, there's nothing too difficult. There's nothing too much because they want to be right with God. And friend, this is revival. This is the people of God being revived. And it's a result of the people of God experiencing conviction and responding. Acts 3.19 says this, says, Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, and so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Obviously, this is in the context of, of people coming to faith in Christ. 
that if you don't know Jesus today, I pray that, listen, I, I, I'm going to be transparent with you. I pray you feel the weight of your sin this morning. I pray that you feel, feel the conviction of God and it makes you miserable like it did me. But I also pray that it leads you to repentance, that you trust in Jesus for salvation. Why? So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. But then secondly, listen, church family, I'm praying the same for you in, in this regard, that if you are a believer, I'm praying that you feel an overwhelming sense of conviction of whatever it may be in your life or my life, that we may sense that conviction and then we may turn to Him. Because even for believers, the promise is true. When you and I repent, whenever we turn from our sin, we specify what it is we've sinned against God about and we confess that and we turn from it, what happens? Man, there's a time of refreshing there's a renewal that comes and so number one repent at the right time number two repent with right ownership repent with right ownership look at verse two then those of israel uh, lineage separated themselves from all foreigners and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. Remember I told you this was an individual and a corporate thing. And so what happens, there's this separation takes place. You remember one of the things that the people of God were convicted and confronted about is that they were told they were not to intermarry with other uh, uh, nationalities, not not in any way of a um, a racist thing, but the idea was that these people of God, they are worshiping the one true God. They were not to marry individuals who are worshiping other gods because that would cause them to fall and fail from worshiping the one true God. And so that was the idea. And so here it is, is that as they're looking, that's exactly what happened. Man, they began to marry with others who are worshiping other gods. And next thing you know, man, the people of God are, 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 are fallen and, and they're struggling because they're not worshiping and following the one true God. And so the people of God are confronted with that and they begin to work on that. But then here in verse 2, it's outlined again that they had separated themselves. And what is this? Why, why is that? Because these individuals that did not have the same ancestry, uh, the same lineage, were not going to be able to repent and confess the sins of their father and the sins that they had uh, uh, repeated be, uh, out of the model of the, what they saw. And so it's not just about the right timing, but it's the right ownership. That they were not passing the buck on to somebody else. They were not blaming somebody else. They were not looking for somebody else going, yeah, they need to take care of that. But in the midst of this revival, it's not only going, man, we've got to repent, we've got to repent now. But then it's also going, I have to repent. It's me. It's the things in my life. It's the things I'm responsible for. But then it's also these things that we are responsible for collectively. It says, then those of the Israelite lineage separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. If you read the rest of the chapters, I read through that. I hope one thing that you got, number one, um, man, it's incredible to have a portion of Scripture that comments on other portions of Scripture. And what, what is written here, um, it gives us a peek into how they viewed and understand the history of our Bible. 
And there's an incredible rich history that's the beginning of uh, Abraham that is written out here that we can read and see how they understood and how they read and interpreted the, 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 the Torah, the, the things of God that we read about. But as you read that, I want you to notice, man, they did not shrink back from going, hey, our, our, our forefathers, our ancestors, they did this, and then they sinned against you, God. And they did this, and they sinned against you, God. And you were gracious to forgive, but then they did this, and they sinned against you, God. And they didn't shrink back from that. They confessed that. They owned that. Now, was it their own doing that, that was there? No. But they wanted to be abundantly clear that their own sinfulness, their own choice, the choices of the ones that had gone before them, were the reason that they were in the position that they were in. It was because of their own sin and not because of God. And most of us would never admit it. Most of us would never say it out loud. But I believe that we get to a place sometimes where we begin to sort of blame God about things in our life and not willing to take ownership over the own things in us when we've sinned against the Lord. Individually, and corporately. But listen to the promise of 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, now that's if. It has to be ownership. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all, all, all unrighteousness. Friend, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where you're at. And, and man, you may be in a really good place. You go, man, this is kind of heavy and hard. I'm doing well. Why you, man, not the way I want to start a new year, whatever the case is. But friend... Man, I want to see, and I believe you do too, I want to see this be an incredible year, maybe the greatest year for Second Baptist Church in the days ahead. And I believe God wants to bless His church. God wants to bless other churches. But friends, the only way we see revival, the only way we see this place filled, the only way we have a renewed spirit, the only way that we have a renewed and restored fellowship, and the only way that, man, we experience the abundant blessing of God is if individually and corporately we confess sin and we take ownership of that sin. And number three, so you repent with the right time, repent with the right ownership. Number three, repent with the right focus. Begin at verse three and look there with me. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. And for another fourth, they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Now, and then, then in 4 and 5, the, the leadership steps up and helps lead the people and, and lead them in that time. But I want you to hear that they, they it started with the Word of God. The Word of God brings about conviction. It brings about that. You've heard me say that a lot the, the last few weeks we've been in this. 
um, um, study. I, I just don't think we can overstate and overemphasize the importance of the Word of God. You need it every day. Uh, you need it in your small group time. The most important thing you do in your small group time is read the Word of God. And then the second most important is study and dig into the Word of God. I hope in your Sunday school classes that the Word of God is given the utmost priority. Uh, because that's what brings about change in lives. That's what, that's what moves and, and, and man works in us and through us. And the most important time as a part of this Sunday morning is the reading of the Word of God. And I don't say that just because I'm the one that predominantly reads that. I say that because of the authority of the Scripture. And that's what happens when, here in this text is, man, the, the Word of God is given priority and it brings about conviction. But then notice this corporate confession of sin. For one-fourth of the day, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. As a part of their worship, there was this conviction going, man, we need to announce, we need to declare, this is where we've sinned, God. This is what we're guilty of. This is where we've been wrong. And listen, folks, I just wonder sometimes if churches aren't struggling and we see some churches close their door or some churches that continue to exist but seem long, uh, long overdue for potentially closing their door, if it's not because there's been sin among the people and nobody's been willing to stand collectively and go, man, we've sinned against God in this way and we need to confess that. But that goes against everything in our American culture, American Western mindset. This idea that we are very individualistic and we don't think much corporately or together. But their focus is on the goodness of God and my own, our own responsibility. Daniel 9, 3 and 4 says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him, with those who keep His commandments. It's not a blaming of God. It's looking to the Lord and the goodness of God and going, God, I've sinned. And to you, I need to confess that. Zechariah 1.3 says, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Remember, guilt just makes me feel really sorry for myself, and it gets me to tell people how sorry I am, and I feel really sorry and all this sort of thing, but it doesn't lead to any life change. Conviction brings about conviction. I'm wrong. I am guilty. But it leads me to change. It leads me to confess that before the Lord and do something about it. Number four, repent with the right specifics. With the right specifics. Again, I started here this morning. I believe sometimes whenever we go to confess sin, I don't know about you, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I can be guilty of going, God, if there's any sin in my life, would you forgive me? Now, if I've done anything wrong, would you forgive me? And just this casual sort of blanket thing, hoping I can just sort of throw this word sin as an umbrella and anything under that. And, and, and I understand the idea, but the problem with that is, is that in confession, there needs to be conviction. 
And for there be conviction, we need to be convinced that we're actually guilty before the Lord, that we've actually done that thing or this thing. And so then for us to confess that, we need to know what it is. I mean, you think about this, that if your kids came up to you and go, hey, Dad, I'm really sorry I disobeyed you. If I disobeyed you, I'm really sorry. Like, what'd you do? Well, just, you know, if I did... Well, did you do something? Well, I don't know necessarily, but it, just in case. Like, that ain't happening. You either did or you didn't. And if you did, tell me what you did. Um, we can get it right. We can talk about it. But somehow, as God's children, sometimes we just go, God, if I did anything wrong. And so if you read through this chapter... The children of God here, the leadership is really specific about what they did wrong. And again, it's not to just so we can beat ourselves up, but it's going, God, I lied. Would you forgive me? God, I I was even deceptive in how I represented myself, or I was deceptive in this part. Would you forgive me? God, I, I had this look. And I was wrong. Would you forget? We need to be specific. Listen to the text, verses 6 through 8. You alone are the Lord. who made, You made the heaven and the earth, the heavens and the heavens, and all their hosts, the earth and everything in it, and the seas, and all that is in them. And your presence, them all, and the host of heaven worships you. Man, they, listen, they start this thing in clear worship and adoration of God. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of uh, Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him a name, Abraham, and you found in his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Amorites, uh, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, to give it to his descendants, and you have performed your words, for you are righteous. By the way, there be, used to be one of these approaches to prayer that used ACTS, A-C-T-S, as the acronym And it often started with, the A stands for adoration. And the idea is you just begin to call out the names of God. And you, in your time of prayer, just worship God. And what happens is you begin to worship God. The Spirit of God inhabits the praises of His people. And when the Spirit of God gets in the presence of humanity, it brings about conviction. And in some way, that's what's happening here, man. They just begin worshiping God. God, you are the God of creation. You've been faithful. You've been good. You've been merciful. You've been forgiving. And as they're doing that, now I believe what's happening is, man, they're being reminded of the sin that is passed down from generation to generation to generation and also what they're guilty of. And they're declaring here, God, it is not your fault. We weren't in exile. We didn't have a city destroyed. We are not in the position that we're in because somehow it's your fault, but rather what they're going to declare, God, we are responsible. It is us. Church family, if we're in a position that's far from God, we're in a position that's struggling, we're in a position, uh, uh, man, that, that we're not in right fellowship or relationship, let me remind us this morning, it's not the fault of God. It's our own doing and responsibility. He goes on in, in verses 32 through 37, says, Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us, our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and all on your people for the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. 
Neither our kings, nor our princes, our priests, nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments nor your t- and your testimonies, which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom, or in the many good things that you have gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. Here we are, servants today, in the land that you gave our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounties. Here we are, servants in it. So he says, God, you're not the one to blame. Our, our ancestors, our fathers were wicked. You were right. You were just in what you've done. And here we are. We're back here again today. We, you and I, sitting here today, still in the faithfulness, still experiencing the goodness of God. He says, here we are. We're, we're servants. And then he goes on. He says, it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because our sins. What's he saying? Say, man, we're missing out on God's fullness because of our own sin. By the way, that is always true. Sin causes us to miss out on the full manifold blessing of God. You've heard the old saying, sin will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. It'll keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And it'll cause more damage than you ever dreamed of. And it yields much increase to its kings. You have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. And what happens from there? We're going to begin next week. We'll look at the covenant. They say, man, we're committed to return to you and ask you to work and bless. And so church family, how do we respond to this? There may be some of you sitting here today. Oh man, I've never, I've never given my life to the Lord Jesus. Man, today is the day of salvation. Repent and turn toward Him and experience the, a refreshing from God, a renewal from God. And it may be that some of you here this morning, you know that you know you've surrendered your heart and life to Jesus. But for whatever reason, in 2022, or maybe it started before then, man, maybe just recently, there's some things going on in your life going, man, this is not right. This is not of God. I need to get right with God. I would challenge you, friend, this morning to confess specifically to the Lord. And listen, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's not a a God sitting in heaven, pacing back and forth with the club, waiting to smite one person that just gets it wrong, but rather he's a king on the throne with nail-scarred hands and saying, I love you and would you come home? And so friend, I want to challenge you to respond today. I'm not going to ask you, or I'm not going to tell you, man, man, God may tell you to do it at your house or wherever. Um, I'm not calling you to stand for the next six hours. But I will tell you this. I do believe there is something about our physical disposition oftentimes that lets us, it communicates how serious we are. And I realize there's some people that at an age or at a health stage in their life, we're not able to prostrate yourself before the Lord. It, 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 there's just no way you can physically kneel before the Lord. The Lord knows that, but there's a lot of us that it's been too long since we've been on our knees going, God, forgive me of this. Would you forgive me of this? 
there may be some of us this morning going, man, I know some things that we've done corporate. We need to get right, God. Do you forgive us of this? And if you've not surrendered your heart and life to Jesus, I'm going to challenge you. Do that today. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we love and adore you. God, I pray this morning that above all, God, above all, we would respond to you. God, if someone doesn't know you, God, would you give them grace to call out on you right now for salvation, ask you to be the boss and master and savior of their life. I pray for those of us that do know you, God, that you maybe have shined the light on sin, areas of darkness in our life. God, would you give us grace to confess that and forsake it. Move in these next few moments, I pray. God dealt with your heart this morning. There's some things you just need to pray about, things you need to take care of. I want to invite you to come this morning. This altar's open for you. God's dealing with your heart about some things you come. Need somebody to pray with you, I'd love to pray with you. Let's take a moment before we pass this by and deal with whatever God maybe spoke to our heart this morning. So the Lord dealt with your heart, you move.
Well, amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to invite our men, if you would go and help us uh, get ready at the end of service here to take up the offering as we leave today. I uh, just want to say a quick word, uh, just quickly want to celebrate and thank you. Uh, obviously, we celebrated your faithfulness to give toward Lottie Moon, but also I want to make mention of this. Um, in 2022, uh, giving towards our regular uh, general budget, if you will, just sort of our regular operation and ministry, all the things that happen out of that, uh, the giving in 2022 is the best that it's been since 2017. And so thank you so much for your faithfulness to give in that regard. I'm really excited about what the Lord has for us in um, 2023 and just want to encourage you to, number one, continue to be faithful uh, in your giving. And I pray that this year is a year that, that maybe we challenge ourselves and where we're able to. Many of you give all that you can, and I am so grateful for that. And maybe some of us that we may be able to sort of take another step, maybe increase our giving in, in uh, capacity just a little bit in, in 2023. And there may be some of us going, man, just it, it's never been a part of my regular discipline or plan. And this would be a great year to begin that, to be regular and disciplined and faithful in that giving. And so I just want to celebrate with you and say thank you so much for your faithfulness. And uh, the Lord did an incredible work last year and excited about what he has for us in the days ahead. All right, so let's stand together and we will uh, pray and be dismissed. Thank you so much again for being here. Lord, you're good and kind. Thank you for today. Uh, thank you for each guest that was here. Pray you bless them. Thank you for the opportunity to give. I pray we would give in a cheerful way uh, that will honor and please you. Uh, bless us as we leave today. Bring us back safely tonight. 